Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Intelligent Juan with Alex Silva. Today is Thursday, April 8th. Can you believe that? It's already April. April 8th. It just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem like it's already April. We're in the fourth month of the year. You only have eight more months until December, until Christmas time. You just, you think about that. And then two more months until summer. It's going by so fast. It's crazy. But it's weird because now that you kind of see how it, how the, the months are changing and it's, we're going more into this year and now the seasons begin to change. And now this, now it's getting warmer outside. It's not as cold. Um, it, the bees are out. The birds are out. You can actually like walk out your door and hear like nature actually, be, you know, thriving. You know, creatures outside that in the winter go dormant that just kind of stay, you know, up, you know, above or you know, fly away for the winter, uh, uh, below ground in a nest in a hive, whatever. But now they're coming out. Like I have this tree outside uh, my front yard that just like is like bussing with bees just all around it because like the pollination and all that is happening and stuff like that so now that's being you know happening more your grass might be getting greener it might you might have to start mowing your grass because I don't know about you guys but like when the winter hits here I don't normally mow the grass because it just doesn't grow that much and I don't really water it all that much either because usually it would rain or there's it's just a wetter season here in in central california so you don't really have to do all that much but still like it sometimes it freezes here so it's like the grass is going to just be killed you know so it's like there's no really any point to watering it i think um and it's just like you can see the seasons changing finally you know but the, the thing is like when that happens um, you know, sometimes people get the sniffles, sometimes the allergies act up, sometimes, you know, uh, do you, you battle with yourself? Do I turn on the AC because it actually got pretty hot, you know, this day? Do I leave it off? Do I just, you know, suck it up and just, you know, not bundle up and, you know, you got to make the transition from pants to shorts if you like that sort of thing. Like a couple days ago, like I was in like pants, you know, just, you know, doing things outside and I was thinking like, oh my goodness, it's a bit warm. Maybe I should switch to shorts because I, I put my shorts away like when it's winter, when it's, you know, becoming too cold to wear them. I just put them away in a drawer like at the bottom. Sometimes I'll put them in like a little uh, plastic cabinet and it's stored somewhere just so I can make space in my drawers for my like my pants and stuff like that. So I actually had to, you know, find my shorts again and put them on and like, oh, it's so much nicer because my legs have always been covered like this past, you know, winter and fall of just, you know, in pants and all that. So I never really had to worry about that. But putting shorts on after a long time feels good, man. Feels real good. And, you know, it's just like it's it's always like it brightens my day and it brightens like my mood up whenever I go outside nowadays, you know, you know because in the winter you can't I mean you can go outside but like sometimes if you go outside you know it it feel it it smells nice you hear some nature you smell it the earth and all that and it feels good to just get out of the house and I know like a lot of people sometimes would refer from going outside because they're so comfortable about being inside but what they don't know is as soon as you walk outside your door as soon as you walk outside you know whether you go for a walk a jog a run whatever once you get outside and you experience outside, you know, I don't know, take a trip to the beach, maybe the mountains, maybe, you know, a local park or whatever, if you're allowed to, um, you get this sort of like calmness and therapeutic, um, 
relief in a way. At least I do when I do that. So I've always like enjoyed that. I've always tried to do that more often. I I mean, I barely do it. So like, and when I do go outside, it's always, I always, I never regret it too. I always say like, ah, I needed that. Or I'm glad I did that because um, staying inside, man, just all day. And for some people, I mean, it's me, maybe not you, but other people, sometimes it just gets, I get so bored and I get so like, it's just like being that bored makes me stay bored. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, it doesn't like, um, inspire me or it motivate me to get going, to do something else, to, um, try other things, even to just go outside. Like, it's just like, because I think at like being inside, like sitting on your a chair, a couch, whatever, is so comfortable that it's like you know that you will never be as comfortable if you go outside for like a walk or even just to like sit down outside. You won't be as comfortable as you are in your, uh, you know, your soft couch or whatever. But then you go outside, you have to do like a task or whatever. You go for a walk or whatever, and you feel immediately better. It just it always happens, and I feel like. If I was to do that now and just to stop like set like settling just inside and saying, oh, going outside is going to be, you know, whatever. I don't want to do that. I just want to stay in. I'm comfortable here. I'm fine here. You know, I'm not going to move or whatever. But you know, it's just like I need to stop doing that. That mentality needs to go away because I every time I do go outside, it is such a, 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 a nice feeling. Again, like, like I said, it's therapeutic it's it's fun and it's it's enjoyable and but you know what being like things i've been discovering things that are therapeutic one of the things that is for me is actually like doing yard work if you do yard work and you like if you dreaded it like your entire life as a kid like for instance when i was growing up as a kid my dad would always say all right let's go and do some yard work let's go pull some weeds or you mow the lawn or whatever like i hated that i dreaded it so much as a kid all the way up until like maybe when I was like, you know, 15 when we were doing it. It was just so bad. It was so annoying. I hated doing it because I always wanted to play some video games or watch TV or watch a movie or whatever. So I dreaded it for so long. And then like maybe like a couple years ago, like when I just started doing it back up again, or you know, doing mowing the lawn, edging the lawn or pulling weeds. It just it nowadays it just feels like you're getting shit done and it feels therapeutic and you feel like you have a purpose now. You feel like you're being productive and that when you get older that productive feeling is really for me it's like essential nowadays. It just makes you feel better. It makes you feel like you're accomplishing things. It makes you feel like you're you have a purpose. It makes you feel like you're not such a piece of poop. And uh, it just feels like, yeah, man, I did that. I did that thing. And also, like, another thing that could be therapeutic, which I've been, like, like I fi- found out today is pretty, um, is cooking or, you know, making food. Like, today I helped make, uh, we made, like, these turkey loaf um, things. It's like a, you get, like, this big, all this ground turkey, and then you put them into, like, these balls, but you, like, mix it together with, like, with some, like, spices, soy sauce, ginger, um, we had some like ketchup in there and stuff like that. It's like a, I believe it was like an Asian Asian recipe. It had like, and then you would put like uh, this sauce that had like peaches and bell pepper and all that and and uh, uh, orange sauce, uh, like orange chicken type sauce. And I, fu- I found out when I was doing that, it just felt like so like again therapeutic. Like I was also I get that when I when I make food, like if I make pizza, kneading the dough can sometimes be a very very um, 
you know, tedious, annoying, hard tasks because it takes a while to knead the dough if like you're making like bread or pizza or whatever. So when I make pizza, I feel like all the preparation also like really sucks, like getting the ingredients, going out to buy them, getting them all prepped up. But once you got them all in the bowl and then you're mixing it and then you see it form into the, the pizza dough and then which you start to knead it. And then you maybe throw on some music, maybe listen to a podcast as you do it. It just feels like Ah, it almost feels like I'm releasing like these like a uh, stress is being released when I need dough or when I cook something or when I pull weeds or when I mow the lawn or whatever. It just feels like I've once you've noticed that and doing that those things just makes you feel a little bit better and whatever you're doing it just you you release some stress, you you feel accomplished, you feel like you're doing something that matters. Um, it, it doesn't make you feel as much of a piece of S as you think that you are. Sorry, I didn't curse, but I'm waiting for the timer to be up. Um, so, um, but yeah, and I think like if you look at yourself and you just order food and you just do nothing, the bare minimum, and you never really have that, ex that, um, that feeling of accomplishment and don't during these times of corona and all that a lot of people like who lost their jobs or like you know can't work or just you know now are just you know doing whatever and just not not being at home I, I feel like that doing those things cooking and all that and and doing some yard work or doing like little things that be like make you productive can help a lot with your mental state and that's what I feel like because at, there's some times where I feel like I'm just so bored out of my mind. Like, and I, the days just go by like that and like, it's already noon and then it's already night and then time to go to bed and let's wake up again and do it all over again. Luckily, I think that the world is healing now and I hope, I think like people are starting to, um, hopefully getting their vaccine, you know, starting to be, uh, um, we can return back to normal because, you know, that is the main goal right now for the world is let's just get back to normal how we used to do things because you see it like in other places. Like, you know, they're already opening up restaurants at certain capacities now. Um, if you watch baseball, a lot of the f um, stadiums already have fans in them, like may maybe not like 100 percent like in Texas, but like it's getting there like in other states. So it's slowly but surely coming back. And I feel like if more people like, you know, um, are responsible with it still, like the progression will get to the point where we can finally be, hey, man, we're back. You know, we're back. We're back to normal. We no longer have to really like be in fear or be so cautious because that's like one of the one things is like that makes me kind of um, annoyed about it. It's like, I'm not, I, I, I don't get mad about, um, you know, being cooped up necessarily. I don't get really mad about having to wear a mask either. I get mad and I get a little bit like, um, I guess you can say anxious is just being very careful, being very careful about like not, you know, trying to be, you know, uh, cautious and socially distancing and just trying not, because I don't know about you guys, but I, I hate getting sick. Like I hate it. So like when, when, when the pandemic first began, I was like, oh shit, well, I really don't want to get sick. Even though people were saying like, um, young, younger people aren't as affected as bad as older, older people. I was like, I, I still don't want to get sick though. Like I, I, I despise getting sick. I hate it so much because about two years ago, I think in 2019, I had, um, I got sick, really sick. Like I got the flu and it was really bad so bad like it, it took me out for like maybe a month I think and it was like an uh, there was like a chain of events that happened so like out for like two weeks I was like actually sick with the flu and my fever was just through the roof that entire time 
through the roof. Like I couldn't, um, sleeping was hard because I was getting so hot. I was sweating in bed. I had to change, change positions. I had to take off my shirt, take off my shorts, whatever, and just almost like almost sleep naked because it is so hot. And it was just, it kept going on and on and on. I was just taking ibuprofen, Advil, whatever, you know, just to, uh, you know, nerf my my uh, symptoms because they were just so bad. And I just, I was getting so annoyed of it because it wouldn't go away. It just wouldn't go away. And then at, at the end, I was just like, all right, do I have to go to the doctor? So I go to the doctor and I, you know, they do like the nose test for the flu and I had the flu and I, they gave me some antibiotics, I believe, I think maybe Theraflu, I think, because I don't know, they just decided to give it to me. So I took that and then slowly but surely I was able to beat the flu, thank God. And I was like, okay, I'm getting better. And then after that, all of a sudden I, I noticed like I have some, uh, this is going to be a bit gross, but I was developing like a very runny nose and a very stuffy nose and a lot of pressure in my forehead and around my eyes. And then I was thinking like, okay, I thought I was getting better. What's happening? And then you would blow my nose, hock up mucus, stuff like that, and then it wouldn't be clear it was green. So then I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck is this? Like, this is getting, I thought I beat this, so I went back to the doctor, and then I'm like, I got this pressure back here, I feel like my, it's like behind my eyeball, like I've never had that in my life, I was like, what is this, bro? This this doesn't make any sense, I thought I took antibiotic to get rid of my, you know, sickness, Turns out I had a sinus infection right after the flu. My ear was hurting. They told me that it was like super red inside, and I was just like, great, now I'm still sick. And I don't think a sinus infection is contagious, I think. I, I don't think it is, but I might be wrong. But um, because nobody else got sick, it was just me and my family. So I was, I was just like, God dang it, bro. I can't just catch a break here. Like So like 2019, the entire month of May was just me being sick and me literally like just like not getting well staying the same thank god when i got the sinus sinus infection my fever was gone so i had nothing to worry about there but just like the pain just being in there and like i couldn't concentrate and just like phlegm all mucus build up in my throat and in my not my nasal passages was just so bad and it just like oh man i just hated getting sick and after that i'm just like yo bro i never want to get sick ever again, like, you know, like, when you were a kid, like, maybe back in high school or junior high or, you know, elementary school, you would want to try to fake being sick or you would hope to get sick because you didn't want to go to school and, no, and like, your parents were like, no, you have to go to school. Who's going to watch you? I have to go to work and all that crap. So what I... I prayed when I was a kid, please get sick. If I was like on the cold weather or somebody was sick around me, I'd be like, oh, hey, give me some of that. I want to get sick too because my parents would never let me stay home ever. And there, there were a couple of times when I, when I was legit sick, like I, one time I got food poisoning and all that, but that's a different sickness, but I, I wouldn't want that either. But like I would say like, just give me like a fever so I could be pretty much like that's like my ticket to, you know, staying home is the fever. If you don't, if you have like a cough, sniffles, a little bit of a, you know, mucus in the, in, in your throat or whatever, that would never uh, be a ticket for me to be stay at home sick. I would at least need a fever. And I never got that as a kid. And I remember that kids all the time, some of them would be getting sick like every week. And I'm just thinking like, how the freak does this guy keep getting sick and just missing all this school? 
Like, what is the point of this? Like, how, how, like what's happening? Is he actually, like, really sick, like, internally? Like, I, I don't even know what's happening because he would come back and he would be fine. Like, bro, weren't you just sick? And then you got sick again? Like, are you okay? What's happening? But, yeah, I just, I remember, like, wanting to be sick so bad. Nowadays, I'm, thankfully, I I never want to be sick again. And it's, I know that it's, like, not good for your, your um, that it, getting sick strengthens your immune system. And it, it doesn't make you as weak to um, being sick because if like if you were to be in a bubble and be in like a sanitized up, uh, um, very cautious about everything, and you never got sick, but if if there's a chance that you do get sick in the future, your immune system is so weak and it's so like it wouldn't be even like um, you know, strong enough to even attack like what you were sick with. Like I'm always afraid of like what if I stay clean for so long a little bit too long, and I become so, um, like, like, if I were to get sick from something, I would, like, keel over and die, you know, I would always think, like, what if I'm, like, the alien, the alien from World of the Worlds, like, they come to Earth, and then they terrorize the planet, they get all the blood from all the humans and spray it around, but they forget about the bacteria and blood, or the viruses and blood, or all the diseases from humans that have that blood, and then the aliens aren't prepared for it, and they just fucking die within like a couple days because they're, they've never experienced all that bacteria and all the diseases, and they just die. Like, what if my body becomes like one of those aliens where I can't handle anything, and when I get sick, I really get sick. So like, it's like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a toss up there. You can get sick a couple times a year and just kind of deal with it and 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 be fine with it, or go years without getting sick. And then when you do get sick, which I did that one time. It really hits you. And I remember, like, because we were, I was building a fence in the backyard, and I was just trying to be, like, helpful with my uncle and all that, doing that because I was taking, I was, when I would get off work, I would go help him out and do that shit because um, it takes a lot of manpower to do that because we were doing it by hand. We had nobody else to help us out. You know, we, we, we would cut the wood, paint it, put it up, screw it all in, and do all that crap. So when that happened, when I got sick, we were in the middle of doing that. And when that happened, I was taken out, like, I couldn't do anything, I was so weak and all that, and it just felt like, wow, I feel like such an asshole, because I can't do anything, because I'm so sick. So now it's just like, I don't want to be sick, but I understand that getting a little bit of a sniffles, or a bit of a cold, or maybe even a, like, a little bit of the flu can help you in the end, so your body, so your body can adapt to it, because you all, we all, like, think that our bodies aren't meant to be sick, and that we're, we're just like these, these vessels that, uh, that are, that are so above everybody, everything else on this planet, like, no, if you look at us, like, we have skin, we have arms, legs, hair, whatever, we're, we're just animals, we're just very, very smart animals, but we still get sick, and we still, you know, have diseases, and we still spread diseases, like, you know, what's happening now, so, like, we think, like, sometimes we're above everything else on this planet, but we're really not, in fact, like, we might be, like, the most vulnerable um, animal on this planet, really, I mean, if you think about it, we can't stand, um, we can't withstand very cold conditions, and we can't stand very hot conditions. Um, we can't eat a whole lot of plants, if you think about it. Like, what, what, like if you look at like what the planet and how many plants that are on the planet, we can't just go and eat like a freaking like whatever um, a deer eats, right? We have to like, if we do, we would have to boil it and and put fire to it and kill all the germs, bacteria, parasites, whatever. We have to do so much just to make food edible. Like, if you look at a freaking, like, a bear or a lion or a tiger, 
they straight up eat raw meat and they're fine and, and nothing's wrong with them. If we eat raw meat, depending on what it could, what it is, we could die from it. So we have like, we are the smartest animal on this planet, but we're also the most vulnerable. Like anything could kill us. Anything could kill us. And we're not even that strong, really. If you think about it, like um, chimpanzees are so much stronger, a lion, tiger, bear, whatever. We're just super smart that we know that we don't have to fight these animals with just brute force, like, you know, fist to fist, fist to paw, claw to hand, whatever. We're just, we kind of like have adapted, like, because we're so smart, we've adapted other tools and mechanisms to do the fighting for us. And we're so innovative, we, we create things, and we, we just, we push things forward. We don't like to go backwards, because we that's just to us, like, we're not doing anything that, that, that matters or has purpose. We want to keep going forward, and whether it be technology, science, biology, weaponry, um, tele, uh, transportation, even like a damn iPhone. We got to keep going with iPhones. We got to keep going. We got to make a faster iPhone, a thinner iPhone, a smaller iPhone. And I remember like back, like just to like kind of piggyback off like iPhones and stuff like that and technology in a way. Um, if you think about technology and like take us all the way back to like 1921, 1920s. Well, like what was the, like the best technology out there? Like it's just after, after World War One. The telephone is a thing, telegraph, whatever. Um, I, I believe radio is coming out at that time. I believe, like, we don't even have, like, a thought of, like, a computer or, like, a, um, you know, an electric car or, like, a, I'm, I, the technology back then is just so, like, it's so primitive. And if you think about it, like, when whenever you think about technology, um, it's just, it doesn't, like, really, it, you can't, like identify with what you see back then with what you see now it's like a completely different world and it's just um it's like almost unrecognizable and you and it's not like anybody could really think that back then we would have the same technology that we have today like you can probably go and back in time and you could show them your iphone or you can show them your car or you can show them an airplane of how it's capable of, you know, um, what it can be capable of. And they would be like, what is this? How'd you make that? Where do you have the time to get that? Or how did that, how does this work? You know, like, oh, like I have a, a, a picture of um, right now of like these Model T looking cars, like have like just like a these big wheels, this big old carriage type um, seat. See, it's kind of like how it morphed because like you got the motor in the front and the seat is like a kind of like a classic carriage. Like it's kind of like they got this like big top where you could just like, sit upright and all that. It's got like a, like a, a rain, like a, almost like a tarp thing that just shields you from rain and sun and whatever. And a very like just like big wheels, like it like it's an actual carriage, but with a motor. So like you can see how the technology just like progressed in that way. And like there's telephones, there's a um, a bunch of other things like that. Like just you what oh like the the phone that you like put up the piece to your ear and then you talk into the other the other part, the receiver or whatever. Like nowadays you just have like you know your phone and you just put it up to your ear and you can do it like that. There's no wire needed, really. Like, uh, if you, I mean, landlines are pretty, like, I, I think that those are, like, really, like, just dying now. Like, they should have been dead a while ago, but I, like, you, you barely see a landline anymore. Like, that's, like, so 
ancient. Like, nobody would want to use that anymore. It's just so much of a hassle. Why have, like, a phone that's going to be connected to your house, which, you know, the majority of the time you might not even be home uh, to get a hold of you. So just, you know, use my cell phone or my smartphone, whatever you want to call it. But, like, the landline is just such an old technology that just like you look at it and it's just like wow i get it but like the cell phone and the mobile phone is just it took over and it's not even just a phone you can use it for, to search the internet the the weather uh, make a note talk to it i mean you can talk to siri um whatever the phone that you use and ask it a question you can ask it um what time it is if you if you if if you can't if you if you can't tell you can ask it a a, a question like who was at this uh day at this time at this day or who won this game or who was singing at this concert here and it will pull it up for you we have access to so much information in our pocket now and it's so much it's so crazy because i don't think that any, anybody would ever think that that would be possible because back then, the way to find knowledge, the way to learn about things was always go to the library of what would happen in the past and what was recorded in the past. And nowadays, like if you go to a library, like I remember back when I was in college, the library wasn't really used to check out books. I mean, you could do it, but not a lot of people did it. You just did went there to study and to go into your computer, write a paper, write some notes, you know, do that stuff, and that's about it. It used to be very, very, like, I remember, like, they would encourage us to go to the library and actually check out books, and actually use, like, a book to, uh, to be, like, a source, or be, like, a, you know, whatever, use that for information to, to study, or whatever, to, um, get some ideas. Like, nowadays, you just go to, like, the internet, on a database or a website or whatever and i just feel like nowadays like when they if they ever ask you use a book go use a book it's like that seems so primitive that seems so last century i don't think that anybody like nowadays especially kids that are growing up today like if you think about now like little little small kids like they are growing up in the age of iphones and ipads and computers and fortnite and tablets and youtube and podcasts and like all this crap that I never really grew up with like back in the day my toys were like Buzz Lightyear I had a Game Boy I had a Etch-a-Sketch I had puzzles I had um building blocks Tinker Toys Legos Bionicles and then eventually I got up to video games but then that that required um you know having a TV to use it had it required space you had to be like in this area you had to set up the the um the Nintendo or the PlayStation or the Xbox you had to set it all up and get it all ready now kids just have it on their iPad which they can take with them anywhere yes they have to charge it but it's right there in front of them at all at all times um, usually, like, I see, like, kids, like, with their parents' phones sometimes, like, it's starting at a young, young age where, like, they're being addicted to these screens and what these screens can do, and I, I get it, like, YouTube has, like, one of the biggest, like, plethoras of entertainment out there, it's just so massive, and it's so vast, and it's so diverse, and it's just, it's, I get it, I understand that, and as a kid, you want to know everything, you want to see everything, you're very, eager about learning things and about just seeing things and just the videos uh, and it's almost like nowadays like the the the, the content creators that are, that are they're making their videos whether it be a twitch streamer a youtuber um 
a show or whatever, they always seem to be pointing every all the marketing and all the push goes to the the younger generation, the younger kids, because at the end of the day, those are the people that are going to be saying, hey, mom, buy me this. Hey, dad, get me that. And then usually the parents do get that. And that just draws, you know, makes the companies have more money. And then they, they advertise, you know, to everything. Like I can talk about how much YouTube is so catered to young kids that it's insane nowadays. Because especially with like the, um, you know, the restrictions of like having a video either be monetized or not. Like it's the, the lines are so thin because YouTube wants to promote their, um, what they think is a creator and what they think draws in the money and what they think is going to sustain, uh, and make a, you know, make, get like a big, um, you know, personality on their platform or do all this crap. Because if you go back and you look at what YouTube was back then and you look how it's morphed, right? You look how it's just kind of like gotten to this point where the you can look at, just look at the YouTube Rewind. As cringy as they might be, as cringy and bad as they might be, you could definitely see who they promote and who they like the most because they get the most views, usually by younger kids, and they use they usually just you know stick to their guns. They do the same thing over and over again. It's almost like TikTok. Once they have their niche, once they have their lane, they'll stay in it till the day that they they quit YouTube or quit TikTok or whatever. They'll do it until they're done with it. And it's just like it it kind of bothers me in that way because I feel like you you're having somebody somebody you know this content creator do certain thing every time because you know that YouTube is paying you so much money to do this one thing because the younger audience wants to keep seeing that. But at the same time, don't you think that the creator or like the the person making this stuff is like, I I I want to keep growing. I want to do other things. I want to do I want to try other things. I want to do other things. I I just I don't want to keep doing this. It's just like I'm kind of over it. One of the channels that I think is kind of in that that uh that this situation is because like is dude perfect dude perfect has done the trick shot to death they've done so many things like trick shots and impossible shots and and just weird shots or just like weird games or weird things and just they've stayed in that lane for like so many years and i can't blame them because they they make so much money off of it and I think when you boil it down to it, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, the money's good. The money makes everything easier. It makes everything, everybody happy. And it's just, like, it's so much, the life is easier in that way. When you see how much money you have in your bank account, and I, and, and it just, it, it brightens your day. And I get it, man. Like, I get it. But also, I just want to see, because YouTube promotes that, that type of content and pays the big bucks for that content, I, it just, it makes you think that it's just putting barriers and putting up walls on creators thoughts and like what they can and can't do because it's just like I, at a certain time you want to change things up you want to you want to step into new uh territories you want to evolve you want to change you want to grow and I feel like that YouTube in a way just doesn't really allow you to do that sometimes because they do have like their algorithm and I believe it is a bit biased and sometimes and they just they promote this, they promote that, and they but they don't promote this at all, and they won't promote like it's hard to find your um you know you know get your one shining moment in YouTube 
it's really, really hard because it is so based on like what they think drives in the most money, the most views and all that. Like I just, it's really, it's really tough. And I, it's like, that's why kind of like why you can't really call YouTube a job, a career really, because it could be, it could just be gone like that in the blink of an eye, like, you know, maybe, maybe you fall out of the algorithm, maybe you do this, maybe something happens, maybe there's a, um, an accusation, something happens, like, in the blink of an eye on YouTube, or, or somebody doesn't like what you said, or YouTube thinks, like, oh, I mean, this guy's changing up his content, it's not, like, what we like, so we're gonna stop promoting it, stop putting it in the algorithm, and then, boom, they start making less money, they get, you know, uh, you know, they get, um, angry, things start to fall out, sponsors leave, and all that, and it's just, like, it's a big mess, it's a really big mess, and it's just, like, Whenever I look at YouTube and I see, like, the creators, like, and how, like, it's changed. Like, you can just, if you go back to the rewinds and see who was in this rewind and then the next year's and then the next year's, you can see how YouTube has what they think is good content and to, like, you can compare that to what you think is good content. And the majority of the time, I think my audience would agree, is, like, we don't match up we don't have the same taste as what YouTube thinks is good content and what I believe is good content because I just, I fundamentally disagree with pretty much everything that they have in those rewinds. It's crazy. I remember like one of the weirdest things was when Will Smith made a YouTube channel. When he made his YouTube channel and he was doing like these weird looking vlogs and these weird like uh, uh, challenges and weird like... uh, behind the scenes of this movie and behind the scenes of that movie and just like being showing us his family and showing us like his him holding the camera like he's actually like a vlogging guy like I don't know Logan Paul back in the day but like it just it was so weird because it just like it didn't seem right it felt like it was a different person it felt like it was a different Will Smith because we have Will Smith the actor we have Will Smith the real person like in real life and interviews and whatever and then we had Will Smith the vlogger the YouTuber Will Smith, and then all of a sudden you see, like, you know, I don't even know if he still makes that many videos, but, like, I just remember, like, he was big on that for a while, and it's just like, wait a minute, did you quit acting, bro? Like, or or are you just trying out YouTube just to see what it was like? And I remember even, like, during the pandemic, um, Brie Larson even made a YouTube channel, and that was weird, too, because, like, She's an actress, she's a good actress, she's in movies, a movie star. Does she need to do this? Like, does she want to um, make content daily, weekly, whatever, and just, like, kind of exposing your life like that? I feel like, as a celebrity, both her and Will Smith, like, that's just opening the doors for people to to criticize you and to, like, just to see what you're doing and what you think and, like, what you... Um, you your beliefs in potentially where if you work out if you don't work out or like if you go on vacation where you go on vacation and all that it's just it's opening the doors and it's just like I get it it's got to be like the the cash money's got to be great for that but at a certain point I feel like actors especially because they have so much they deal with all this paparazzi and all this um the press and all that and it's just like I would feel like that they would want to be more privately and a YouTube channel would be the exact opposite of privacy it would be even more of it because now you're not paying to watch a um a a Will Smith or a Brie Larson YouTube video that's for that's going up for free like their realm is movies and TV well mainly movies you got to go pay to see the movie or you got to go buy the movie or buy the subscription to see the movie this is like all free content so it's just it's just weird. It's, it's it's baffling to me how YouTube has changed and what it promotes, 
how it does it, and, and just, like, why, why some things, you know, like, why the recommendation page on YouTube can be quite baffling sometimes, quite baffling, like, I would be, like, just, I, 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 I watch, like, Barstool Sports, I watch, like, ESPN, I watch, uh, sometimes I watch a little bit of, of gaming stuff, and I'm getting, like, all, sometimes podcasts, and I get, I just get these weird videos, there's always, like, a COVID-19 thing, because it's COVID-19, they always have that, there are some content creators that I, that they say, like, oh, content creator rising, or on the rise, or whatever, like, and just so much other weird crap that I don't even, like, you know, care about, and it's just, like, it, and that's why you really need to be, like, be cautious of what you type in, or what you say around your phone, because, or your, or your laptop, or computer, or whatever, because that shit is listening, bro, I was, I remember, I was, um, I was with my sister in the living room, we were watching, or she was watching Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore, I was just there with her, we were just chatting, and then I swear to God, I went on my phone and clicked on a YouTube video. I can't remember what it was, but I got so many ads for Jersey Shore. As soon as like that, my phone heard it or whatever, I might have said it. I'd never typed it in. I swear to you, it just popped up, and that freaked me out. It was so weird because it's like they're listening. It's like that episode of South Park. The ads are learning. They're adapting. They're evolving. And it's just it's actually happening. It's crazy. That was a bit of a riff on YouTube and all that, and about seasons changing, the being productive, um, therapeutic stuff, being on YouTube, all that. That that just spun off. It was crazy. Um, I tried something this week. I actually went to Taco Bell. Now I haven't been to Taco Bell in a while. To me, I I've been a Taco Bell fan, Taco Bell fan for a while now. I've been a fan of it since you know I was a kid. My favorite thing back in the day was um, they had these chicken chipotle flatbreads back in the day. Those were so good, but they weren't Mexican at all. And I know Taco Bell isn't really Mexican food. I mean, it tried to be back in the day, but now it's just like they're not even trying now. But like the chipotle chicken flatbread was so good because the sauce was literally like crack cocaine. It was so addicting. It was spicy, tangy, um, zesty. And the chicken on it was delicious. It was, it, it was, it, it, it probably was pretty, you know, fake and shit, but it, it tasted good. The combination was good. It was light. It was cheap. It was all that you wanted in fast food light, cheap, and filling. You know, in, in a weird way, it was just, it just made so much sense. Nowadays, you go to Taco Bell and you look at their menu and it has been stripped to the bone, man. And the thing is, like, it has gotten expensive for less food. Like, I went to Taco Bell uh, this week, and I got, I I tried the new um, uh, grilled cheese chalupa, or the cheesy chalupa, whatever. It's like a, you get a chalupa, and then outside that chalupa shell, you know, the soft tortilla shell, you get, like, this other, like, uh, grilled cheesy, like, melted cheesy shell. And I tried it, and I, I gotta say, I was not a fan of it. Um, I thought it was okay, really. It was a bit too, the, the cheesy flavor on the shell just had this weird, weird taste on it. It just, it wasn't, um, it didn't taste like cheese. It tasted like, uh, burnt, I don't even know what it was. It just didn't taste like cheese, really. And I was just kind of concerned because the commercial makes it look like you, you bite into it and it should be melting. And it, you know, you got the cheesy strings coming, you know, when you bite into it and all that. It just, but it wasn't that at all. Like, and I, 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 I think that the, the Chalupa at Taco Bell is a prime, 
item there. Like, it's one of their best items that they still have. You don't gotta ruin it with this this cheesy, hard, um, supposed to be like a melty, cheesy shell. I, I, I don't think that you need that. I think that that's just, it makes it too complicated and it just, it takes away from the actual flavor of the meat and the the soft tortilla shell, which I'm a big fan of on the Chalupa. Um, but I, I, I do, I thought also one of the other things is that the crunchy tacos have gotten really, really light. They've gotten really light and, they, and the way that they've done it is like, they put like maybe like a little bit of meat now and a ton of lettuce and cheese a ton of it, like, it just, when you open the taco out of the wrapper, and you just, like, get a little bit of a weight of it, it just feels so light, like, there's, like, it's, like, almost like air, basically, you can tell that the shell is a bit, uh, uh, thinner, is a bit more airier, it's, it's just, the whole thing is just getting so sad, it's so cheap nowadays, and it's so, also so expensive like that combo the three items was like eight bucks or something like that seven something it was just like wait a minute what happened to those boxes that you guys had back in the day that were five bucks those were the best those were my thing man those were my jam you got five dollars you can buy a five dollar box with a back then there was like a doritos locos taco a regular taco a beefy five layer burrito um, the nachos and a drink, all for five bucks. I mean, that was just the best back then. Nowadays, you know how much a not e- they're not even called nachos, by the way. Now, you know, uh, I'm talking about like this little the little bag of chips with a little cup of cheese, and now it's just called the chips and cheese. Not even called nachos no more. Which I get it. I mean, like I would say, I would figure, I would believe that nachos would be like chips covered in like toppings like cheese and sour cream and jalapenos and maybe some meat. Those are nachos. I get that. That's why you call them kip, uh, chips and cheese. But they're they're so expensive now. Like they're almost like two dollars for just like one chips and cheese. It's ridiculous. The pricing on this again is just through the roof. And I remember they even upped the ante with the cheese cup, like maybe like ten years ago. Then like maybe like a year and a half ago, they went back to the small ass cup. So that even made it even like less like wanting to get less incentive of getting the chips and cheese. Now, I will say that they still taste great, though, the chips and the cheese. Oh, my goodness. You can't beat Taco Bell's chips and cheese. You just can't. But still, like, the amount that you're getting is just for the price. Uh, I don't know, man. Taco Bell's kind of blowing it on that. I got to say, they're dropping the ball a bit. I did not expect that from Taco Bell because back when they were just putting out banger after new banger, banger with the new promotional items, the... The first one I remember that that really took off back in the day was the Doritos Locos Taco. The beefy five-layer burrito was out. The quesarito was good. Um, uh, I was even a fan of the naked chicken chalupa. That wasn't even that bad either because the chicken was actually pretty good. Uh, the nacho fries are always good, I think. They're, sometimes they can be a little bit crispier, I think, but they're they're usually, usually pretty good. Um, and my favorite pretty recently was the grilled cheese burrito. I thought that that burrito was delicious. So good. It had like, it, it, again, if it was made correctly, because I heard some people, um, they got the same thing, but it was made pretty crappy. Like, and if it, I, I can understand that if it's made pretty badly, it's going to be, um, it, it, it could be pretty bad. But when I've had it, when it was made well, boy, was it good boy was good, I enjoyed that so much, 
And man, it's just sad to see how far Taco Bell has fallen. They've fallen so hard. They used to be the top for me, man. They used to be at the top for me. They used to be pumping out new ideas, leaving other restaurants in the dust like uh, Jack in the Box or Carl's Jr., even McDonald's at some points. But now it's just like they've gotten healthier, I feel like, and they've gotten like, even when they got rid of their potato items, like I couldn't believe that because like if you're a vegetarian, I feel like that would be a number one go-to item for you. Like, that was such a big buzzkill because I was a big fan of, of the loaded potato potato grillers. Those were so good, man. Those were delicious. I love those, and I, I would get them frequently, and they were so cheap, too. They had the dollar menu back then, and the dollar menu now is just kind of ass. It's pretty pathetic, actually. So, yeah, Taco Bell just, man, dropping the ball left and right. I don't know what's happening, bro. <laughs> All right, boys, I think it's time now time to talk about sports. We're back in sports. It's Thursday, like I said, April 8th, and it, Monday was the national championship for the NCAA tournament, the men's tournament, that is. It was Baylor. It was Gonzaga. It was a bad game. I'll just say it like that. It was a bad game. Um, I actually was taking a nap before because leading up to the game, I was excited and then the more I was looking forward to it, the more I was thinking about it, the more I thought that this game would suck. The more I thought that, and I, I didn't think that it would suck as bad as it did, though. I thought it would be a bad game. Like, I thought it would be a low-scoring game, actually, and a low, um, you know, low-quality game. But I, you know, I was wrong about that. Um, Baylor scored a lot of points. Gonzaga didn't. Uh, Gonzaga looked pretty fraudy, as most people would say. They, would look, they, they looked like they shouldn't have been there. Baylor did. Baylor played very, very well. Baylor dominated. They just played better. They were all over Gonzaga. Gonzaga, I feel like if you did watch the Gonzaga games leading up to the championship, you kind of got that sense that they thought that they were... <clears throat> you kind of got that sense that they were... They felt a little bit over their head leading up to the leading up to the title game. It just felt like that. I, I have no idea. Maybe I could be wrong, but I... I got that sense of them just like kind of feeling that they they were a bit too they thought they were too good for what they actually were. They actually weren't that good but they felt that they were good. Um so the game was a bit trash and I immediately tweeted that UCLA would have beaten Baylor and I stand by that. I think that UCLA um you know that game that they lost on I believe it was Saturday to Gonzaga the way they, they that they did by the buzzer beater goodbye sweet prince ucla um my opinion i feel like ucla just played better was the better team nobody again nobody expected this nobody i, I can name names uh, charles barkley kenny the jet smith ernie johnson greg gumbel candace parker Dwayne wade everybody said no chance no chance ucla is gonna they're gonna flounder everybody's saying like gonzaga scores this many points every game you know, they, they never trail, really. They've never trailed this entire uh, tournament. They blow up people by 20-point leads. They they can they can score at least 90 a game. I mean, sure, that happened at the end of that game, but, like, still. I mean, again, nobody credits UCLA for actually trying to nerf them. You know, actually, like, being, like, stopping them. And I remember people, people were saying, like, how is this happening? Why is this happening? It's Gonzaga. Like, uh, bro, but it's UCLA. I'm, are, are you, you're missing half the story here. Like, yes, Gonzaga is 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 Gonzaga. They're Gonzaga, yeah. But you're also do you did you not remember? Do you not remember what UCLA is doing in this tournament? 
are, are, are you adopt? Are you blinded? Like, you, you, you clearly, everybody, and everybody in the media was saying this. Everybody was saying, like, oh, Gonzaga's so good. Yeah, but they're just better. But everybody was like, oh, um, UCLA can't adapt. They can't beat big teams. Um, we don't expect them to beat uh, Gonzaga because they've, you, you, they start slow. They don't hit all their shots. They don't uh, do this. They don't do that. But the thing that, that, that UCLA does better than, any, than, than even Baylor, I think, is UCLA adapts. They adapt, they learn, and they and they play the game, their game, and they don't turn the ball over. So if if you have a team that doesn't turn the ball over, can adapt, can play their game, and they know their game, uh, then how 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 could you not even give them a shot? It just made no sense to me. I was just baffled, and I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing because everybody was saying there is no way. UCLA comes in with 20 points of Gonzaga. Everybody was saying that. Everybody. And I was just like, there's no way that these guys can have their job still, right? There's no way. How How is it that me, I could have seen how good UCLA was and that they wouldn't just roll over to Gonzaga? How could everybody else not see that? But I did. I don't understand it. Charles Barkley, how do you even have a job, sir? How? Shaquille O'Neal, how do you have a job, sir? How do I not have that job? I don't get it. I do not get it. Anyway. Getting a bit mad about that, but like like I said, like like I said. Gonzaga was found out by Baylor very, very early. Right? It just it ended badly. It was a bad game. And to be honest with you, it was it was a bad matchup. It was a bad matchup. Nobody was gonna watch it anyway. Baylor, Gonzaga, again the whole thing of the no notable teams like Kentucky or Duke or North Carolina making it all that far. Like it just it 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 was a lackluster tournament. And everybody's gonna be like, oh well, it wasn't even supposed to be that good. Right? Yes, it wasn't supposed to be that good. It was again it was Baylor and Gonzaga, and I I do believe if if Gonzaga lost to UCLA, it would have been a bit better. It would have been like you know. UCLA is a prominent basketball school. I would say they're they're blue blood. They're they're legendary. They have that clout. They have that um, they have the the ability to to, to uh, draw eyes from the nation. Um, but they get la- they get la- la- laughed at because they're a West Coast team because they're in the Pac-12 and because like, they should be losing. And I get that. A lot of people would say that, and I understand that. But you guys, all of you, just lacked the respect for UCLA. The absolute disrespect to UCLA, and I was witnessing it on Twitter, and even in the broadcast, and I was just like, these people, these guys don't know what they're talking about. They are disrespecting UCLA. They wanted UCLA to lose from the beginning, and it was such a clear bias. Everybody was saying, there's no way that UCLA should be winning, but you know what the thing is? They were coached better. They played better. They don't turn the ball over. They can weather any storm, Like if you think about it. If you think about it, every college uh, team is got this um, run syndrome. What happens is they will be going good for a while, and then they score a ton of points, and then they hit this brick wall. And then the other team goes on a run, and they usually take the lead, and they end up winning the game. That never happened to UCLA in that entire tournament, I believe. They never succumbed to the pressure. They never let the opposing team go on that run. They never let them take the lead. They never let them get, get a huge point um, uh, 
point difference. They never built a lead that big, but they stuck around. They weathered the storm. They adapted to the they, they adapted to the other team, and they ended up beating them. And nobody else saw that, which is so silly, and it makes you sound like a goddamn fraud, a fraud. And you sell it, and or Gonzaga, you were a fraud. You were a fraud because everybody thought that you would beat them, and then you got you played Baylor, and then they they beat your ass. They beat your ass so badly. It was a bit of a rant. I truly would have be, uh, believed that Baylor UCLA would have been a much better matchup. I really do because again, Gonzaga just floundered. They sucked. In the end of the day, they they just couldn't score the points. They were too cocky. It wasn't going their way. At the end of the game, they weren't even trying. It was pathetic. You know who would have tried? Who would have tried was UCLA. They would have tried their asses off. For the entire 40 minutes, they would have. Maybe even to overtime. Because I said, I tweeted, UCLA is not afraid. They are not a a team that is afraid of anybody. They will look you in the eye. And they will do their best to beat you. And they nearly did with Gonzaga. In my opinion... That shot is one of the luckiest shots you will ever see in college basketball. The 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 the, the ending the game ending shot is always one of the luckiest shots because you got people, you got teammates, you got players that can't hit an open three to save their life, but they'll hit that one last shot to beat that other team that probably deserved to go to the championship. That's why you should enjoy the unpredictability of college basketball and March Madness. Because what did we get at the end of the day? We got Gonzaga going to the championship, which was so predictable. We got Baylor going to the championship that was so predictable. Number one seed versus the number one seed. How predictable. I mean, just by that matchup alone, nobody should have watched that game. Nobody should have watched that game because that's just, that is so, I mean, it's so, again, predictable. It's so predictable. I I don't watch the sports like that, like that, like that tournament to be predictable like that. I don't find that entertaining. I don't find that interesting. I don't want to watch that. I just feel like it's just so um, a slap in the face, really, a slap in the face because I, I, I did not not expect that. Yet it happened, and it kept happening. I don't know, man. I just I feel like it's just we deserved better. We really did. We really did. I just I feel like. UCLA would have beaten Baylor. They would have beaten Baylor. They would have shocked the world. They would have shocked me. Shocked everybody. And I think at the end of the day, if they did win, we would be a much happier people than seeing Baylor win. I think you would. Not saying that Baylor fans wouldn't be happy about that. They are happy that they won, obviously. But the country would be... And the fans and the 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 people who love college basketball, they would love it even more if UCLA won it. If they beat Gonzaga and went on to win it, God, that, that that would be so much so so good for the sport. It's just it's it's all, but it's all like a a big what if. It's all a big what if this happened, or if that happened, then this would happen, or if the the um, <clears throat> You know, just like the, un- again, the unpredictability. That's why we love it. That's why we enjoy watching it. That's why it's so much fun to argue about it. It's so much fun for the passions to flow. It's so much fun to see, like, 
how people can just get everything wrong so like easily. Like you see this happen in sports all the time. Analysts and commentators will say like, "Oh, this team is so much better. They're gonna whoop this team's ass. There's no chance with this team." And just seeing that all play out, like especially with UCLA versus Gonzaga, I just I I literally couldn't believe that all those people said how much Gonzaga was going to beat UCLA, but it ended up barely winning, and that none of them, like, no one's job is in jeopardy. No one's questioning their basketball knowledge. Nobody's reading the both sides of the story. Nobody's reading into UCLA. It clearly a clear bias, I think. And I don't like that in sports, especially if you're going to be you're supposed to be neutral. Like, I don't really see it. I mean, Kenny the Jet Smith on how, like, he was so critical of Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez. Like, these guys got to be the ones to do it all. These guys, there's no chance if anybody, if they can't do it, then nobody else will. If, if the team, if those, they need uh, Tiger Campbell to score in double digits even for them to win. It's like, bro, you clearly don't know what, like, uh, how team basketball is played. You clearly don't know like how like you 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 don't see how teams can be emotionally driven through their passions and you don't see how teams like UCLA just adapt. You you it's just like were you watching the tournament? Were you watching them? Maybe not, but I mean, I just I couldn't believe the actual disrespect that UCLA was getting. It was just so bad. And I hope that this um, kind of like from what I've been saying, just just to look at some of these people, what they're saying. Again, all of those people that I said, Charles Barkley, Kenny the Jet Smith, Ernie Johnson, Greg Gumbel, Dwayne Wade, Candace, uh, maybe not Dwayne Wade, um, what's his name, uh, Candace uh, Parker. I mean, all of them were wrong, man. Every single one of them in that game, the UCLA-Gonzaga game, they were all wrong. Just think about that. So, um, lastly, all that I'll end off with is, um, I was sent a TikTok a few days ago about, um, and I, and I know I I don't have TikTok, so you can't follow me on there. Um, I, 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 I open it through the Safari app because I don't have the app. I actually try to get the app back because when I had the app, it wouldn't, it didn't force me to make an account, but when I redownloaded it and tried to open the TikTok through the app, it just straight up said, you need to make an account. And I was like, nope, I ain't going to do that. See ya. Um, but the, the, um, the TikTok was a, not even like an actual like dancing video. It was just like a, a clip of somebody stream talking about the video game industry and, and delays of games and like how how when you delay a game, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is And it, does it usually like bite you back in the butt? Like, okay, why'd you delay it? Um, are, are future games in jeopardy because of this? And what's happening in this? He he elaborated on in the video that because like whenever like people or when uh, companies release a game, then or announce a game and then it gets delayed and it you know being delayed like either a month, a few months, a half a year, to a year, and when the game comes out and it's just still not a good game, and I think the problem is is like. Most gamers like me um, are very rare nowadays. Um, see, I value my money. I value my 
my what I buy. I value my property. I value my Xbox, my video games that I buy. The time that I have set aside to play those video games or to or to uh, play with my friends on these video games. This, the time that I put into the games, that the the time that I use to um, take time to research the game, the time the time that I take to budget my expenses. Do I have enough to buy this game? Do I can I wait until it goes on sale? Can I um, do? Are my friends gonna get it? Do I need to get it at launch? Do I, can I wait? Can I do this? Can I do that? So a person like me really takes all this into con- into consideration, and I try to kind of make it so like I'm not wasting my time. I'm not wasting my money because I, when I buy a game, when I purchase a game, when I download a game, to me, with anything that I buy, what you know in life, um, the first impressions really matter to me. Really matter. So, like, if I if I was to buy a game, like if if I if I bought when it came out, Cyberpunk 2077, and I saw how it was, and I saw how it played, and I tried playing it, and it kept breaking, or I kept doing this, or I couldn't do this quest, or couldn't progress the game, or it just would straight up make my console crash. That, to me, is a no-no. This shouldn't happen. Right? It should not happen. And I would ask for a refund because remember like they were offering you full refunds because you know CD Projekt Red knew that they fucked up massively so I would have refunded the game because I don't believe in that I I don't believe that I should be playing this game and waiting for an update whether it be like a week a month whatever I, I, I played it to buy it now you understand? Like, I, I'm not going to wait for an update. I'm not going to wait for a patch. I'm not going to wait for that. I, I expect your game to be ready day one. And I feel like what's happening is that the majority of the culture, the majority of the gamers now, you know, this TikTok really opened my eyes because, oh, wait, it's not just me. Other people understand the same thing. They get this maybe not the majority but a lot of them do you need to hold these video game developers this video game industry to higher standards whenever they say that they're going to delay a game yes I'll be mad but I have the right to be mad I have every right to be mad but also make sure that when your game comes out that it works day one because if you didn't Oh, what the fuck is the point of the delay then? Then you look like a, s- a fucking moron. What were you doing then? Did you even take the time to develop your game more? Did you fix the issues? And, and if not, did you did you fire the people that couldn't f- do the job? I mean, so like, again, what I'm what I'm trying to say is like, as a consumer. From what this TikTok was saying, he he was speech speaking the truth. You as a consumer have the power. You 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 need to have a higher standard to your games, to what you demand in your game, and to what a game should be for you when it comes out. And I was just saying, like, oh my goodness, this is so this is music to my ears, man. And I feel like because there's so many people 
a lot of people, that if a game is shit, or if a game is trash when it comes out, they'll be like, oh, we'll just wait for a patch update. I'll just wait for it to get better. Oh, they were... They were rushed. They were crunched. Oh, it got delayed. No. You should not have to deal with that. You shouldn't have to have a broken-ass game day one when you buy it. You shouldn't have that. I I mean, have some pride in your money, in your time, in your investments, in your life. Because when you say that about a game that you just spent 60 bucks, maybe even more, and it doesn't work? How does that not make you have this pit in your stomach that you just made a bad investment, that you've made a bad uh, a bad buy, a bad purchase, a bad whatever you want to call it? it? Just to me, when that happens, I feel so cheated because now it's like, now... The company's like, oh, we'll get it out when it's ready. Well, it's not ready yet. It keeps breaking on us. Yeah, it's just we got to push it back again. They think that that mentality and that way to produce a game is okay. It's not. That should not be okay. That is laziness. That is settling for something that, oh, this will be okay. You are settling for something that isn't great yet. You're settling for good or just okay. And the more I see this, the more I hear of it, the more I just think like this industry, this industry is some, is have some of the most incompetent people running everything. You can go from the, the, the board to the, to the dialogue writer to the artist, to the developer itself, the coder. These people are so incompetent and have lost the drive to be to be superior, to make something that you're proud of, to make something that you think people will like, to make something that you they they've lost they have lost the sense or the importance of a first impression. They have lost it back in the day when you would buy a game. Halo 1, Halo 2, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3. Those games usually came out with not as many bugs as games today. Today. You think about it. We have all this technology. We have more employees than ever. We have all this. We have all that. They give you studio tours of what it's like to be developing a game in there. The, the meetings, the preparation, the, 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 the time spent that you think is, is going to that game that you're going to buy within a year. And you think, you, you, you can't possibly think that it's going to be bad because you see that everybody's working together and everybody's, you know, on the same page and everybody's not being a lazy piece of shit or doing their job or doing this or doing that. Everybody's in harmony but then you see other things and you th- you got to think to yourself. I mean, I mean, like, I know, like, I know it's a hard job. I get that. I know it's very, very hard. But I think what's happening is I think that some of these people, like, and I've seen, like, documentaries, like, in 
the making of Halo 2. Uh, there was a God of War documentary that I saw. And just out of these snippets of like the interactions with these people, a lot of them hate each other. They do not get along. And immediately, if I'm overseeing this, if I'm seeing like um, not agreeing on certain things, having fights with people, having um, disagreements, if I'm the boss or if I'm the leader, I am firing all of those people, every single one of them, because they are incapable of working together. They are incapable of doing a job. They are incapable of communicating. They are incapable of doing what they signed up to do. And it shows so through everything. You are literally showing your weaknesses in every moment when I see this happen. And I just, I have to think that it's got to be that they have the wrong people. They have the wrong people. And if you're a company like CD Projekt Red or whatever that puts out a shit game because of shitty people that are making these stupid games that aren't being held to high standards, you need to fire these people. You need to get people that care about it, that want to work with people, that enjoy working with people. I mean, again, I'm not saying that these people um, aren't good people. right? I'm not, I'm not saying that they, they don't always um, not meet on the same page. They probably do. And those documentaries probably were just like that, just to... You know, make it more dramatized, make it more like it's, oh, we're at the finish line, but we can't finish it, whatever. It just, it might have been like that, but I also agree, I, I also think that, that there's a lot of times that the, like the, the main, the main problem is that they settle for just passable. Let's just get it out. Let's be done with it. Does that mean that they have to change how they release games? Potentially, yeah, I think so. Does that mean that they have to rethink how they market the game? I mean, I mean, if you're gonna do that, that why even have like conventions like E3 or whatever like that? Like, why even have that then? If you're gonna have that, you should be able to deliver when you say. Because then you get distrust with the community, distrust with the fans, distrust with your consumers. I'm not saying like I'm not going to buy a new game. I, I, and I, and I, I'm not saying like I'm never going to buy a new game that's on day one. I mean, I plan to buy Halo Infinite on day one. I plan to. And I, I know that my brother, he says to me, you can't play it. I said, why? Why can't I play it? Because your pent-up hate of MCC, the Master Chief Collection, is going to uh, prevent you from giving it a fair chance or the hatred that you had for the game like when it, when it launched is going to continue on to Halo Infinite and it's going to taint my view of it I said no dude that's not going to happen I, I know that I'm mad at MCC still I still am mad at it because I still don't think that you can give that game um, even though that it, it works well plays well it's fun it's Halo. It's classic. I get that. But you, I'm not going to let you pass because it's working now. You still had a bad launch. You had a bad first impression. 
you had a bad taste in my mouth for a while. And and, and, and I'm not going to let you have... I'm not going to let 343 win beat me on this because, again, you're re-releasing games that were already made in just to one game. That shouldn't be that hard. That shouldn't be that hard. to For you to fuck that up so bad... Again, the, the, the games played fairly well, but the servers wouldn't... It couldn't... It made the game not playable. You couldn't get into a game. I remember Andrew was waiting an hour to, just to play one game. It was pretty sad. But, like, you you can't tell me. You can't tell me that. That I can't forget that. And my distrust is there for a reason. With Infinite. It is. This is still 343 producing this game. Developing, whatever. They're still doing this. And the fact that the fact that they delayed it an entire year, and I've, I've been hearing things that they might delay it again, was they were so set on selling this in 2020 holiday season. They were so close to doing it. How close were they to selling a fucking broken ass game? They were very, very close. They they straight up were trying to get away with it. So I'm looking at you, three four three, and I'm looking at you hard. You better be careful with this. If you need to delay it, delay it. But don't waste my time and not fix anything. And if there's reports of you guys having to work on the weekends or crunching time or overtime or whatever you want to call it, shit. I'll know that's probably the leadership or who you got working there is incapable. But you don't want to make the necessary choice to either fire that person or move them. You guys got to be big boys. You guys got to put your feet down. You guys got to make the tough decisions and try to be better. Because if you're not going to try to be better, and you're not going to try to meet higher higher standards, and not try to make your game incredible instead of just passable, I'm sorry to say, but people are going to catch on to this. If they haven't have already with Halo 4 and 5, MCC, Infinite, they're going to catch on to you, man only a matter of time maybe that's why you're putting making your your game half free or whatever or i think it's like the campaign might be you have to buy but the multiplayer is free i can read all that doesn't seem well doesn't sound doesn't smell well smells bad i don't like it and that's just not for 343 every developer every um engineer uh, studio whatever you got to take into consideration that you Try to put yourself into the into the, into the shoes of the consumer. The person who... who you don't want to mess this up. You don't want to have anybody, you know, um, just not have fun with your game. Your game should be fun for people. And when you put them out day one and they don't work or they have bugs or they're pretty much unplayable, you've failed. You failed. And for us as consumers, to talk trash about you is completely fair. Yes, I I get it that it's hard to do that. I get that your job is hard. But if it's so hard, if it's so, like, we're hiring the best people for the job, I don't see how we're not getting a good game. I really, really don't. So I hope that changes. In the future, I hope that changes. 
I just want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for watching. I've been hearing some feedback. And I enjoy it. I really do. I, and I appreciate you guys all being here, listening and watching. It's been it's it's so much fun. I I enjoy podcasting so much. It's so much fun. It's 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 almost like therapeutic. It's almost like relieving of stress. It's almost like I can get my thoughts out. I can get my opinions out. I can get what I think and maybe help. May I don't necessarily want to change your opinion or change your mind or anything like that. But maybe just to hear other other perspectives of things and other other lanes of thought on certain topics on certain things or you know just I, I i enjoy doing it i enjoy having my voice out there my voice heard because i feel like a lot of people don't get to do that not not just because they don't want to but they don't they they just they're afraid to you don't have to be afraid don't be afraid of it you're a person you're a person. So is that person on whoever other opinion that they have. They're also they're they're also a person. There's nothing different about it. Your opinion, their their opinion. We all can have our own opinions. That's the beauty of it. You might totally disagree with what I just said about the video game industry, but like that's okay. Maybe you don't care as much about like the first impression or you you um you're a big fan of like the game that you want to buy and you're going to stick by it. I get it. That's loyalty. Dedication. I like that. I'm just a little bit more skeptical. I'm just a little bit more on edge with that because I just feel like for me I, I just, you know, I get that burnt feeling if I buy something that's just not meant it's just it's not like up to my speed or not up to my you know my I, I don't want to say standards but like up to my, you know, what do I, what I, my expectations, my expectations of it. And I get like it, it's sometimes in some points and some things in life that you should uh, diminish those expectations because they could end up in, you know, making you disappointed. I get that. I, but I also, I feel like if you diminish them too much and you don't look forward to something or you think that it's not going to be that good and you just, you're always in this state of just having like a neutral or a, a somewhat negative approach to things then it to me it's just like um in my opinion i feel like it's just like you're not letting yourself like you know have some optimism i just feel like that like if you always have expectations low it's just like i don't know i feel like it's like you're not really allowing yourself to like have like a openness or a you know, look forward to things, you know, it's like, it's almost like a lack of passion to me. It's like, where's the passion? Where's the, where's the feelings? Where's the dedication? Where's the, you know, it's just, that's what I, that's what I mean by that. So like, whenever I'm like saying like, oh, like, you know, don't have so many high expectations. Uh, whenever, I, you know, somebody says that to me, it's like, well, why would I not though? I don't want to go into a thing negative. I don't want to go into a thing like not wanting it to be thinking that's going to be that good. And no, I just, I don't have that mentality. I don't have that mindset of going into things. I just, I've always been like a more positive guy, optimistic guy. So yeah, so I, I still am optimistic about Halo Infinite. I really think it's going to be a cool game, but there's also a, a part of me that thinks like, okay, well, the track rec record of 343, 343 Industries is not good. I've got to have that in my back pocket and back of my head. And I just got to go with it and just like, 
almost kind of not expect too much because I kind of have to now, in a way. But in the future, with other games, other movies, other shows, other properties, other forms of entertainment, I'm going to always try to go in as positive as possible. Try to be um, also optimistic, but also realistically. That's where I have a lot of uh, trouble with, is being realistic with things like uh, movies, games, and shows. Because at the end of the day, they're not like supposed to be like, you know, I'm not saying like you can't be unrealistic. I'm not saying that, but like being a little too realistic is just, I don't know, it kind of takes the fun out of, out of the things and just kind of makes it not fun. So anyway, um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. Um, as always, you can find the podcast on uh, YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Spotify, um, again, on on Apple Podcasts, make sure you rate, rate and review. Um, it'd be very, very appreciative, very important if you do so. Helps out with the podcast. It helps out with uh, um, the ratings. It could lead to sponsorships. It could lead to a bigger outreach. Um, I would also appreciate if you guys uh, would thumbs up the video. Like it, subscribe, share, show your friends, show your family, show your um, enemies, show your grandpa, your grandma. Send them a link. Pretty simple. I would appreciate that so much, and I would like it so much. And I just, again, thank you to all who listen, to all who watch, to all who, who enjoy it. I hope that I'm, I'm trying to like make it so like I'm. you can be part of the conversation with me when you listen or when you watch because that's always super important for me that's what i'm striving for what i'm trying to do i hope i can do it i I hope that i'm getting better i know i had a bit of a rant today but you know sometimes emotions take over things happen it gets crazy it and it gets wild but you know what it's always real it's always real and it's always electric Sometimes it could be a, a a bit dull sometimes, but it's always real. It's always real. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Again, you can find me on all platforms, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, at Intelligent Moron with Alex Silva. Thank you for listening, and I will see you back next week.